When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is the Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. Ed, Tom Chorsky back on the ride with Royce, sitting in for Patrick Royce. It's a uh, it's an honor to be sitting in this chair. I, uh, I appreciate you being here, Manny Hill, and uh, it's an honor to have you sitting in that chair. Sir. Well, hey, I I wouldn't be doing anything more important than this today. Say uh, we're, we're we're in the holiday season. We're yeah. uh, it, it, and I was here last week, and and. Uh, we talked about how it gets real quiet, and I noticed I I got like the best parking spot in the yes in the house and strolled right through it. It's kind of it's kind of quiet, but it's kind of nice to be. It's kind of nice to have it that way, isn't it? Yes, I it, it is. And Reavers, well, you know, Reavers isn't here today, but he'll he'll test to this too. It is the best part about working here during the holidays is that the parking lot is about half empty and it's a lot easier to find a spot and uh at minus 10 that's a good thing yes yes (laughs) sometimes when it's cold walking uh, the long distance from the parking spot to the building is a little tough but uh, so so if there's uh somewhere out there someone's uh someone's listening or streaming and uh they're at work and they're thinking the same thing they're thinking i don't mind doing this this is a better deal than without all those other knuckleheads around us (laughs) yes exactly well, we got Rich Gannon uh, checking in in uh, in about uh, ten minutes or so. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the NFL. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm starting to tune in because I'm a bit of a band. I'm a playoff bandwagoner, and now that the Vikings are are kind of teeing up to be to be looking pretty good, uh, this 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 Eagles game uh, was I guess considered sloppy, and and it got me thinking about how. We're, you know they're they're a good team that all of a sudden has had a couple bad weeks yeah. uh, one one offensively and one defensively uh and as hockey teams approach the playoffs you know it's sometimes hard to back in certainly teams have kind of backed in or played uh played bad badly leading up to that to the playoffs is it, as a hockey guy and not maybe understanding how easy or hard it is for football uh are these these teams can they back in and it's no problem or, or how is that going to shape up? It can get tricky. I, I guess it just depends on, on your makeup. I mean, we've seen teams um, just sort of back into that last, uh, that last playoff spot and, and then they, they exit out of the playoffs right away. 
But yeah. you also see a lot of teams like I'll go back to the Packers in 2010, where basically from week, it must have been like week 14 on, they were basically playing. If they lost another game, they were going to be out of the playoffs. And so they caught fire. They won the last three games of the regular season to get in and as the sixth seed in the NFC, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl and won it against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I, I think if you could choose, I, I think you would rather be sort of the hot team going into the playoffs, but I think also you want to be healthy. You want to be as healthy as you possibly can. So you'll see a lot of teams, I think, on Sunday. If, they, if, they've, if their position in the playoffs is already well-established, they'll rest a lot of their guys, and they might end up losing that last game that – they normally wouldn't lose if they had been playing their guys the entire time, but they figure, well, we're locked into this number three seed, sure. So we'll just we'll just rest our guys and make sure everybody's healthy come playoff time. Yeah, and like you said, it kind of depends on on your team or your makeup or which maybe which facet of your game is struggling. I yeah. mean, if if you have a good defense and it wasn't your defense last Sunday that struggled, um, your your defense is still good, but. Uh, what about it? I mean, we're talking about a, one of the upper echelon teams starting to scuffle. Yeah. Then I think it depends on your leadership, and maybe it maybe it's your QB or whoever your named leadership group is to to kind of get the players' confidence back or get the get everything back and coaching staff. So um, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the about the Eagles, but you know, with the Vikings coming up, uh, and we talked in the early part of the show, there's a chance they might get a. They might get a bye in, in week one. Yes. What do they got to do to beat Chicago? Um, or what do you think they have to do to get ready for the playoffs well, and beat Chicago to get that, hopefully get that bye? I, I think they they can still, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they can still lose the game to the Bears and get a first-round yeah. bye, but they, they would need the Carolina Panthers to lose to Atlanta. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's the Bears. The Bears have not been good really all year the Vikings will be at home I, yeah. I think it's a situation where I think if they they start out get you know develop a big lead yeah. you know get yourself a, a three touchdown lead in in like the third or fourth quarter that sounds good and then and then then at that point you've got the game locked up and then you can you can start uh you can start resting guys and, and then of course I mean if they're hap- if they happen to be scoreboard watching and they see that Carolina has uh is losing to Atlanta then at that point it doesn't really matter what what they do, they'll be locked into the two seed. But um yeah, I think ideally if you're Mike Zimmer, I think you want you want these guys to start out against Chicago, Come develop a big lead, yep. establish that you've won the game basically, yep. and then you can start taking your, your starters out and you can avoid the uh catastrophic injury for the playoffs. And we'd see Teddy again? We might. I think if you get into that situation, I think you definitely could see Teddy Bridgewater. Now you don't want your QB to get hurt late in the game. Right, you don't want. Uh, I mean, as well as Case Keenum has been playing, you don't want him to uh, to get injured. And also, you don't I want think, Teddy to get injured either. But well, uh, well for not sure, not like throwing him out there like a sacrificial lamb. That's not what I'm saying. But but, but also with Teddy too, or if there's you, someone else we got to put out there. Well, if 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 it gets down to Kyle Slaughter, I think it might be <laughs> they might be they might be in trouble either way. Yeah. But I think in in the case of Teddy too, I think you, you want I think you want Teddy to get to get some reps because. Who knows what could happen come playoff time if Case Keenum goes down. Right. You want Teddy to at least be somewhat ready sure. to have some no reps question. under his belt now. Because we're talking, I mean, he only had a handful of plays against the Bengals uh, two weeks ago. Right. And that was his first game action in a year and a half and his first 
game action in a meaningful game in in almost two years. Yeah, so. it's going to get meaningful real quick. Yeah, on the Eagles front, they're going to be that game against Dallas on Sunday is going to be interesting because the Eagles at this point they don't have anything to play for. They've got the number one seed and home field advantage locked up yeah. regardless of whether they win yeah. this game or lose this game and also and maybe dallas, that's why they're not playing well they're just cruising well it, well here's why i bring it up though dallas also with their loss to seattle they're also out of the playoffs they can't they can't get in now at this point so this game is i don't want to say i know coaches they hate the word meaningless but this game is basically has no it, it, regardless of what happens with the Cowboys no, and no, Eagles, no nothing's going to change. It's, yeah. it's not going to change the outcome for either team. But I, th- but the thing of is with the Eagles, you haven't looked great the last couple of weeks. I mean, the Giants, right. your offense was good, but your defense wasn't very good. And then, you know, last night your offense wasn't very good. I, I think if you're Doug Peterson, you kind of want to have these guys. You want to get. Get back. Get and... get things right. This 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 Dallas game, even That's though it's doesn't mean much. That's what I'm talking about. Backing much, in is yeah. You kind you kind of a... I feel like you you want them to sort of you want to use this Dallas game as a sort of a get right game. Yeah. So that you're ready for the playoffs because at that point after this game you do have a week off and if you've played two two bad games for two weeks and then you sort of play this meaningless yeah. nonchalant game to wrap yeah. up, wrap up the regular season and then you're off for a week. Yeah. How do you get those? competitive how do you get that competitive playoff those competitive playoff juices going again for the divisional round when you're going to be facing a team that's on fire coming in to play you in the second round? right you're building you're building the pregame speech for the opposing team yeah that's what you would go go into the locker room and convince them that you're playing an eagles team that's you know been struggling and they didn't play well and now they've been sitting on the sidelines for a week so so it'll be interesting to see how the eagles and doug peterson how they kind of approach this game on sunday yeah well it's tom chorsky sitting in for patrick Royce and manny hill talking football when we come back we'll hear an interview with rich gannon talking purple right now on the ride with Royce. Rich Gannon, the quarterback, the league MVP. It's former Vikings quarterback and current CBS NFL analyst Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon joins us on the ride with Roycey every Tuesday for Talking Purple. And Rich, I got to ask you, okay, so the Packers are hosting the Vikings on Saturday. And I think it was about seven degrees at kickoff. Can you remember the coldest game you played in in your playing days? Yeah, there were a number of them. Um, I actually remember one in Cleveland, the old Cleveland Stadium, uh, as a young player of the Vikings. It was really bad. And I remember Hassan Jones actually got some frostbite on his toes. And people remember Hassan Jones, the receiver that we had with the Vikings. But I played in some cold ones. I played in the, the tuck roll game against the Patriots. That that wasn't as cold. We had the snow. Um, it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't below zero, but it was cold. It was in the teens. And... Uh, that was a tough one. You know what happens when it gets so cold? It's just you know, the ball gets you know when you get you get below freezing temperatures, the ball's like a rock. You know it's hard to grip the ball. It affects the passing game. It affects the you know the, the field surfaces, the conditions. I think that was certainly a factor on Saturday night in Lambeau. You know you look at both teams had a difficult time really throwing the football effectively, and the footing's not great. And so um, yeah, hey, this it's, is it's the tough conditions to play in, and. And it's a team that usually can manage them the best that usually turns out the victor. 
Yeah, it kind of had the feel on Saturday night that, you know, Mike Zimmer had the approach of, all right, let's just take care of the football. Let's not turn it over, get enough points. We know that, you know, with Brett Hundley in this offense and sort of this depleted Packer team that they're not going to be able to score on us. So let's just sort of get in, get through this for 60 minutes and and, and get out of Dodge. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't care – the Packers with that without Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you pick a shutout against anybody, even with a backup quarterback like Brett Hundley, you're doing something right, especially on the road. And so I know it was the first shutout I think the Vikings have had in I don't know well over 20, 25 years, something like that. So that, that was that was impressive um, when you look at how they did it. Defense was dominant once again. Um, you know, I can't say enough good things uh about harrison smith he just always seems to be in the right place at the right time he's a ball hawk he's got a nose for the football that first interception was huge it was down in the red zone and and so with the with the way the out the defense is playing i think the offense can be a bit more conservative and try and run the football and protect leads and you know i I give case keenum a lot of credit certainly wasn't his best night statistically but didn't turn the football over and that's key i mean you look at the packers they turned the ball over and and um in a game that was pretty close, um, you know, through three quarters, uh, that was significant. Yeah, it's amazing to me, going back on Harrison Smith here for a second, It, and, and I know the Pro Bowl in today's NFL probably doesn't mean as much because it's it's changed, the rules have changed so much for it, but the fact that Harrison Smith, that guy not being named to the Pro Bowl roster is just, just a travesty to me. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. It is, and I think you're right about the Pro Bowl. It used to mean a lot to players, yeah. and I think it still means something to the players. It's not nearly as significant as it used to be. I mean, it was a real honor to be elected to the Pro Bowl by players and coaches. I think the fans, um, while I think it's nice that they have uh, some input, you need a lot of fans voting for guys that they, you know, they don't see. And I think part of it is on reputation and you know, part of it has to do with the fact that, you know, some teams play a lot of, a lot of national games, you know, Sunday night games, Monday night games, they get a lot of exposure. And that certainly factors into it as well. And, and, uh, but I would agree. I, I thought he had a phenomenal year. He makes so many plays back there. He can play at all three levels of the defense. He's a timely blitzer. He can play down around the line of scrimmage, excellent tackler, good, good in coverage, has great range in the middle of the field. I mean, he does it all for the Vikings. On the Packers, real quickly here before we uh, move on to the rest of the league, I, I don't know if you saw the situation with with Aaron Rodgers where they put him back on IR. Obviously, oh, okay. yeah. What, what, what's what's your thoughts on that? I, how does how does Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy? How do they? I don't want to say they screwed up, but how does that how does that happen? How do they not know about that rule? Well, I think there's ways around it. I mean, I think that you know, obviously. Um, it's a bit of a risk to put him out there uh, so close to, you know, when they had the surgery. I thought, I think they felt like obviously there's a chance that they could make the playoffs. They get a little bit of a roll. Uh, once that was no longer the case, um, you know, I, I don't know that it made a lot of sense to play him the last couple of games of the season to risk further injury and further setback. So um, I think there's ways around it to say that he had a setback. Um, you know, he fell down awkwardly on it. There was some swelling, inflammation, and just, you know, his range of motion. I mean, I, I can't imagine the league's going to – clearly there was – you know, they, they tried to circumvent the, the rule, but I don't think the league's going to be able to prove it by right. saying, you know, he wasn't able to play. I mean, you have to have a, you know, physician, a third-party physician come into to Green Bay and look at his shoulder and say that, you know, he's able to go out and throw, and I don't think that's going to happen. 
moving on to the rest of the league now. The the Eagles host the Raiders last night on Monday Night Football, and I think we're starting to see they, they get the win, they clinch the home field advantage in the NFC, but I think we're starting to see that maybe they miss Carson Wentz a little bit now. Oh, they miss him a lot. You know, I think where it really showed up was in third down. Carson Wentz makes so many plays. His ability to extend plays with his legs, to scramble for a first down, to avoid the rush. You know, Nick Foles just doesn't have that mobility. And, you know, when I watched him last night, um, it just seemed like the game was going way too fast for him. And you know, his numbers weren't good. He said this morning he's got to play better. And, but, um, you know, Nick Foles looked like the old Nick Foles. I mean, after yeah. going for four touchdowns versus the Giants the week before, he looked slow, uh, you know, unsure of himself. And, uh, you know, I mean, to the throws, he missed so many throws, and his feet were a big part of the problem. I, the, the, the Raiders clearly felt like they could get after him and get him moving a little bit, and that would really affect, affect him, and it did. Um, the Dallas Cowboys host the Seahawks on Sunday, and the, the the Seattle Seahawks to me are amazing in that they can look so bad for one week, and then the next week they can rebound so well, even when everything looks like it's just sort of falling apart for them, and they just have this championship, um, I don't know if you want to, championship personality where they can bounce back from getting throttled at home by the Rams and then uh, going to Dallas and get a big win and keep their season alive. It is amazing. I think, you know, even when you look at Russell Wilson's numbers, they weren't, they, they were, they're pretty uh, anemic, but yet you know, they just find a way. They're, they're, they're well coached. Pete Carroll does a great job. It's a tough football team, uh, mentally and physically. And they've had so many injuries when you look at that team, especially to keep players defensively. And yet they just refuse to lose. And, and, um, you know, look, I, I give them credit. They've got great leadership on that roster, and um, clearly that was evident yesterday. Well, on the flip side of it, you look at the, at the Cowboys. Um, they, they, they're they full of excuses. I mean, it starts with the owner. It works its way down to the, the head coach. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've got their running back back, and yet, you know, they're they're not the same football team that they once were. And, you know, they're gonna, they got the Eagles this weekend, and, you know, there's a chance that, the Eagles win that game, they'll finish six games behind the division-winning Eagles, and the Eagles did that with a backup quarterback. In other words, you know, Wentz will have been out the last month of the season or whatever. So, I mean, that tells you a little something about where the Cowboys are in, in relationship to the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, Rich. So put yourself uh, – Rich Gannon is with us here on the ride with Royce for Talking Purple, as he is every Tuesday. Um, so put yourself in the Vikings' shoes right now, and you're looking at the other teams in the NFC – that you may have to play in these playoffs. Um, which team do you think concerns you the most, whether it's the Rams or the Saints, or if you, know, if you have to go into Philadelphia for an NFC championship game, uh, which team in the NFC, or maybe even Seattle perhaps, uh, which team are you looking at that may be uh, the toughest matchup for the Vikings? You know, a month ago I would have said Philadelphia because their defense was really playing well. And, you know, Carson Wentz and the offense, they looked unstoppable. But... With Wentz out, you saw what happened with Goff last night. Uh, not Goff, but uh, Nick Foles. And they don't look like the same team, although I think their defense, um, you know, uh, under Schwartz can can still be a factor. But the team that I think, there's two teams. I, I think the Saints. Let's start with the Saints because 
You've got Drew Brees. He just went over 70,000 passing yards yesterday. He's he's phenomenal. He's having yeah. another terrific season. But they can run the football now, and I think that's the big, biggest difference between this year and the last couple of years when you look at uh, Mark Ingram and obviously Alvin Kamara. They're, they're, they're terrific. I mean, they got a one-two punch. They're both very involved in the passing game. And here's where they're better, defensively. You know, Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator. In fact, Sean Payton's had five defensive coordinators since he's been – the head coach in, in New Orleans. That's 12 years. That's a lot of turnover. But they've, they've got a guy that's done a good job. And Marshawn Lattimore is playing really well. The other rookie back there, Marcus Williams, in the secondary. They've got, I think, one of the most complete defensive ends in the game in Cameron Jordan, Steve Jordan's son, former Viking. He's playing well. So that team, and then the team out west in, in Los Angeles, the Rams. Um, Sean McVay's done a terrific job. Just yeah. a strong consideration for Coach of the Year. Jared Goff, the defense. How about Wade Phillips? Every time Wade Phillips switched his team to defensive coordinator, that team makes the playoffs. I think it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's amazing the success that he's had in his first year with defenses. You know, he comes in. He uh, it's not at all about the volume. It's, he's a wonderful teacher. He's a great communicator. The players love playing for Wade Phillips. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Everywhere he goes, he just seems to turn turn a defense around. And I, I, I think if there's a Hall of Fame for coordinators in the NFL, oh, Wade Phillips has to be right there at the top of the list. Last thing, Rich, before I let you go, um, the catch rule, the Patriots are once again, for another week, the beneficiary of a controversial catch rule call with Kelvin Benjamin just before halftime against Buffalo on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, the we, we've seen the Patriots – fall victim to crazy catches in Super Bowls in the past. Uh, but these last couple of weeks with the Steelers and then with Buffalo on Sunday, um, it's, it's amazing how the Patriots seem to find themselves in the middle of these uh, sort of controversial catch uh, decisions. I don't know what it is. You're right. I mean, right <laughs> before, with the two seconds before the half, I mean, Calvin Benjamin thinks he's got a touchdown. Here's the problem that I have. You know, it was a long replay review. They changed the call to an incompletion. And I think, you know, the, the, the rule is without – you know, without uh, indisputable evidence. I mean, right. I don't know how you can look at that and say clearly it was clear that his foot didn't – he didn't tap the second foot down. He didn't have possession as he was going out of the back of the end. I just don't – and Al Riveron, the director of officiating back in New York, he's got a lot of explaining to do. There's a lot of owners that are upset, a lot of head coaches, players, teams. I mean, because this isn't the first time this has happened this year. There's been a lot of confusion. And I'll just throw this out to you because I, I've done some research – I understand that the he's got an assistant there, he's a replay uh, assistant, and he's very inexperienced in the job. And they say a lot of it has to do with that, that there's, some, there's been a lack of communication, there's been some breakdown there. Uh, they're overwhelmed with a couple of calls that have happened simultaneously with other games. And so uh, clearly, you know, you go back to Austin Safarian Jenkins of the Jets, there's been a couple of touchdowns, very close calls at the reverse. So, um, and, and the explanation to me was, wasn't sufficient, and I think you know you, the Bills are a loss for words. I mean, that's a that's a big play in a game, in a game that they had to have against division rival New England. All right, Rich, uh, where are you and Mister Harlan going to be for Week 17? We've got a great game. We've got the Raiders at the Chargers. Chargers need some help. They've got to win. How about the Chargers? They've won eight of their last eleven after starting zero and four, and now they find themselves at eight and seven and in a position to. You know, make the playoffs. So they, what they've got to do is they got to win and they need some help. You know, and and uh, so it's going to be going to be interesting to see if they can get it done. But uh, we're anxious to be there for the call. Should be fun. Have a happy New Year, sir, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining. 
Thanks, brother. All right, Rich Gannon from the NFL on CBS joining us here on The Ride with Royce for Talking Purple. We'll be back with more of The Ride with Tom Chorsky right after this. Tom Chorsky sitting in for Patrick Royce on The Ride with Royce, and I am going to be joined, pleased to be joined, by Brian Schoenborn of St. Cloud. He's the chair of the St. Cloud Organizing Committee someone I've known over the years here and there, and uh, wanted to talk to Brian about Hockey Day Minnesota 2018 taking place in St. Cloud this year. Uh, Having been a part of these over the years, uh, it's an exciting time. Brian, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Tom, and belated Merry Christmas to you. I hope Santa was good to you. Yeah, well, you know, with three teenagers, uh, I'm I'm low on the totem pole for for Santa, (laughs) but uh, it was a good day. How about you? Yeah, it was very nice. A little cold, that's okay. We still got out and did a little skating and things, so it was uh, it was good. But now we're focused fully on hockey day. It's coming up quick. Yeah, well, let's. Um, you know, I, I could certainly and will analyze the the hockey games as they get closer, and we'll, we'll we'll comment on some of that a little bit. But why don't you take us back, how it started out, and kind of what what thought process was with you and your your peers up there your colleagues your group and and bring us up to speed a little bit well and and uh and, and once again thanks for having me the the uh the uh, process of securing hockey day is about a five-year endeavor we've been working and thinking about it in our community for a long time thank cloud has a rich hockey history and it's uh it's not as publicized as as the twin city hockey history or Northern well, that's Minnesota, why we have you on Ranch. That's why we're talking to you. Yeah, and so it's it's uh, it's amazing. It goes back to the 1800s, and uh, so we have been talking to uh, the wild folks in FSN uh, for a long time, and and felt like one of these years it was going to be our time. And, and fortunately, uh, this spring we got the call that uh, that FSN and the Wild and uh, and Wells Fargo, of course, wanted to to uh, to tap St. Cloud on the shoulder, and we've been off and running. And it's, uh, it's been a, an amazing ride to see our community come together and really push to elevate Hockey Day and do some things that I'm not sure we've seen before and, and I think hopefully become uh, traditions for Hockey Day moving forward. Well, you're hitting on it right now, and, and that's how the, how the bar has been raised uh, on each year and on each community. And, and having been part of these uh, from very early on, I think I've probably done the last five of them, um, I, you know, at first I was just going and thinking, hey, this is a neat event. And now as I've paid a little more close attention and I've, uh, I've spent a few more years around it, you start to see all the planning that goes into it, not only on the, on the television side, which I, that's where I'm most involved, but on the community side. And you've mentioned uh, the support, the outpouring of support. What does that look like? What, what are some of the things that the rest of the community has to step up and share, kind of educate us on that? Well, it's, uh, and we've, we've turned it into kind of a, a winter carnival that we hope becomes an annual event in St. Cloud. So it's much more than Hockey Day, although Hockey Day is the, is the core. Uh, it starts with a Friday night uh, kickoff with, um, with uh, the girls, girls' high school teams playing each other, the Icebreakers, which is the, the kind of collective St. Cloud team against the Sartell Sock Rapids team, and we kind of make our way through the weekend. But to pull it all together... Uh, I've been involved in a lot of different uh, activities and fundraising um, uh, initiatives in, in St. Cloud and Central Minnesota, including turning the National Hockey Center into the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center. 
have never been involved in something where people are calling us wanting to be involved and to donate. And, and we literally have dozens and dozens and, and even in certain aspects, hundreds of, of people, sponsors, volunteers. I think our sponsors or our volunteer list is over 200 positions. Uh, and, and it's just been amazing to see everyone come together. Our local organizing committee is really great. We started by going around and talking to Stillwater and other folks that have, that have hosted and, and they've, they helped get us up to speed quickly. And then we try to, to put our own spin on it. Um, we have a, a history of live music in St. Cloud and central Minnesota. And so the all weekend will be kind of feathered in with live music. And we actually have a, a concert at the end of the night on, on Saturday night uh, by the fabulous Armadillos, which are a kind of a cult uh, band, really a well-known and, and respected group in Minnesota, and certain, they're out of St. Cloud, and they do a thing in the summer, Summertime by George, the last, uh, the last Wednesday of Summertime by George, where they usually have over 20,000 people at Lake George, so we're expecting a lot of people to come out. Hopefully it's not quite as cold as it's been the last right. few days. Right, but uh, but it's it's we we have a whole bunch of things like that to make sure that the entire state of hockey enjoys coming, whether they're deep hockey fans or casual hockey fans that just want to be part of something special, uh, that they can come out and enjoy themselves and know they're they're uh, they're part of something amazing that celebrates the culture of of Minnesota, uh, what makes us great, and and uh, and is certainly celebrating the sport of hockey, something we all love. Right, right. And just to expand a little bit on, on the schedule of things from the hockey standpoint, you mentioned there's a girls' high school game on Friday night, and then I read that the St. Cloud State alumni will have their uh, game after that. Right. That'll be, you know, I don't I don't know if Matt Cullen can get away from the wild to, to go up and play <laughs> in that, but certainly maybe Mark Parrish or, or you yeah. know, there's, a, there's a long list of very good hockey exactly. players. Exactly. Not to so mention we, that. Go ahead. We, well, we have uh, Team Parrish playing Team Cullen, so it's oh, there you go. inter yeah, it's an inter St. Cloud State uh, game. We call this uh, the the Husky Alumni Classic, stealing the classic yeah. game that's come up with a lot of different things lately, and and so the those two are are going to be selecting teams. Hopefully, we'll be able to publicize the teams that they're selecting through that that week leading up to to that. And at seven thirty that night, um, they will play each other. And uh, we're actually going to be celebrating the, the Herb Brooks family legacy and Herb Brooks's legacy in St. Cloud with the Brooks family and, and uh, doing some really neat things to, to, to profile that. A lot of people out there in the state of hockey don't understand maybe the connection between Herb Brooks and divisional hockey in St. Cloud. And so that will be part of that as well. And then we'll finish that night with a, with a kind of a kickoff celebration and, and more live music out at uh, – at Lake George, and then we come back Saturday morning. The um, the uh, the boys' the, high school uh, is at ten, I think. Yep, St. Cloud. Yep. The gates open at nine. Boys' high school, which will be fun. St. Cloud against St. Cloud. So the entire community will be coming right. out on fire for that. And the first women's college game. That's a that's part first of women's college. I think that's part yep. of raising the bar on on this year is is kind of um, breaking through that barrier. Yeah. So at one o'clock that afternoon, St. Cloud State's playing the U of L, UMD. I'm sorry, UMD. Yeah. Uh, women's out there at Lake George. Very neat environment. Very neat experience. I think actually St. Cloud State's women's team was involved in Hockey Day last year, and so mm-hmm. uh, Eric Rude and his team are back this year and actually on the site at Lake George playing against UMD. So that'll be neat. And then the 4:30 game is Moorhead against Centennial. 
um, which will be a barn burner, one of the best teams in the Metro against the, the runner-up from last year. The Spuds are doing uh, well. Yeah, they got a strong team. Yeah, very strong team. And we're just the, the number of people that are wanting to come to Hockey Day from those communities has just been amazing. We've sold hundreds and hundreds of tickets to those communities. And then, uh, then we wrap up the night on the site with that, with that concert that starts at 6.30. But at 5 o'clock, the St. Cloud State men's kickoff against um, the face-off against Mankato. The number one in and the country. State, the number one in the number country, St. Cloud State. I should State. say that. I mean, hey, I'm a Husky. I'm a, I'm, I have a law degree from Minnesota, but I always say you got to be for where you're from, and I'm a St. Cloud guy. So, yes, the number one St. Cloud State Huskies uh, play at 5 o'clock against Mankato, which will be neat. It's the first time ever that the um, college game has been in the town of the of Hockey Day. Okay. So it's the okay. actual college game is only a few blocks away at the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center. And then obviously 8 o'clock at night, the Wild will play the Lightning from the X. Another good and we're going to have those games, the college men's game and the uh, NHL game, the Wild game, on the Jumbotrons at Lake George. So fans can enjoy that. Once the college men's game wraps up, the Huskies will make their way over to Lake George for a skate with the Huskies activity on the ice uh, and, and um, um, uh, autographs and things like that while the concert's going on. It'll be really a amazing atmosphere celebrating the state of hockey and, and uh, our community. Well, it's, it sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Brian Schoenborn, the chair of the St. Cloud Organizing Committee, we're, we're, we're wrapping up here talking about Hockey Day Minnesota. Starts on January uh, 19th, Friday night, and runs through Saturday night. Be a great time up there. Looking forward to being a part of it, Brian. I'll probably run into you up there. but uh, Absolutely. Yeah, have a great rest of the holiday season. That sounds great. Thanks, Tom, for having me on. Absolutely. That's Brian Schoenborn. I'm Tom Chorsky. The Ride with Royce continues. So, Tom Chorsky, I got to tell you, when you were talking with Brian in that last segment, it just brought back memories of the Hockey Day Minnesota that yeah. I covered back in 2008. Way up in Roseau. Way, well, it was oh, no. Roseau playing in it, but it was in the Rainy River, Rainy River. in, uh, in Baudette, Baudette, about an oh, hour east. Yep. And um, I just, I, I, I will never forget, it was the only Hockey Day Minnesota that I've covered in my life. Um, but I will never forget it because... Number one, the, the atmosphere was was fantastic. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. Um, but I will never forget just how damn cold it was. <laughs> that was one of the coldest. That, that afternoon. It was, thir- I believe it was 35 below wind chill. And I'm outside calling this hockey game between Rozo and Blaine. And it ended up being a one nothing win for Rozo. But I will I will never forget it. It will always be in the back of my mind. Yeah, and and those are tough conditions. And hopefully we don't face those again. Uh, there's been a couple other days where it's been that cold. And then there's been some days where it was wet and rainy. And, and yeah. that doesn't work either. So it's hard to nail it uh, perfectly. But um, I, you know, I, I'm glad that the, it's growing. The event is growing. I worry a little bit that it's almost going to become commercialized. Maybe that's not the worst thing, but mm-hmm. um, it's it is different from those early early years where it was just still kind of that um, a little more. I don't know if it's innocent or not, but uh, and the and it was you know now we're we're getting a little bit more educated on location, yeah. Because you start on the production side of it from from sports broadcasting, they start to look at it like, well, it's it's pretty tough um, if we're really out there isolated uh we don't have 
you know, backups and, and we don't have different plans and it's hard to get power. And, you know, there's a lot of things that to make it a production that works on TV that come into play. But, um, but I do like, I do like that it is bringing communities out and, and bringing them together and everyone gets excited about it. And the players, you know, it's their winter classic, it's their stadium series game and, and they all seem to really enjoy it. And, you know, from the college standpoint this year, the women's game is going to be uh, featured outside and it's a it's a big game between two good programs. So it should be a meaningful game too. So there uh, from the hockey side, I hope the weather hope the weather isn't as cold as it was that you experienced. Now did you in your life in your hockey playing days, did you ever play a lot of uh, outdoor just like organized? Oh. I'm sure Growing up all I'm the sure time, yeah. I mean, I'm old enough. Time, but... I'm old enough that my first team was an outdoor park board team. Okay, you know, it wasn't a traveling indoor arena team, and and that's where your parents had to come down and stand in the in the snow banks and and kind of cheer you on. But uh, I played a ton of outdoor hockey. It's really where I spent my my winter months uh, in my youth, and it's it's actually the way you improve the most because okay. there's no rules. You know, you can't dump the puck in because sometimes you're playing outside of boards. You're just uh, on yeah. a pond or it's open or it used to be where the little guys played outside the boards and the, the bigger guys played inside the boards. So, you know, if you miss the net, well, you couldn't raise the puck, so you got to hit the post. There's all these little rules and and things that you have to do that pos- that you have to possess the puck. You don't want to just throw it around because there's no boards and yeah. whatnot. So um, it's a great place to learn the game. It's a lot of fun. I think it makes you tougher because you're out there in 10 degree below zero weather sometimes, but you go into the warming house and warm up and go back out. And I don't know, it's just, it, it was my childhood. It, it's, it's gone by the wayside a little bit these yeah. days, but nonetheless, uh, it, it's, it's a great game to, to play outside. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, like we said, and we'll be looking forward to the upcoming hockey day, Minnesota, hopefully the weather holds. Uh, I'm Tom Chorsky sitting in for Patrick Royce. This is the ride with Royce. This is Tom Chorsky. I'm sitting in Patrick Royce's chair for the ride with Royce. Hey, Manny, when you were talking to Rich Gannon, uh, last week I was in and we were talking about this catch that wasn't a catch between New England and Pittsburgh, and now you guys are still talking about it, so it's a a thing. And the Patriots, once again, are like sort of the beneficiary of another controversial controversial catch. Yeah, it's uh, they can't escape it. But I guess if you're that good of an organization, you're always sort of finding yourself caught in these big slippery, games and these big situations. So, contest scandal. Well, I don't know. We'll uh, we'll get back to uh, talking football. We're popping in and out of here a little bit, Manny, but we're uh, we're doing all right. Tom Chorsky sitting in for Patrick Royce. This is the ride with Royce. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. 
And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.